Welcome to the School Theater Podcast. Today we are joined by Roby Arce Martinez, who is the director of The Passion of Antigona. The show is a Latin American adaptation of Sophocles' Antigone. Antigona Perez is a political prisoner awaiting execution while being captive in the palace of dictator Carrillo Molina. She refuses to disclose the location of the bodies of her comrades who attempted to assassinate Carrillo. As a result, she is confined to a dungeon. During her stay, visitors come to vi- question her and test her values. So, welcome, Roby. Hi, thank you. Thank oh. you. Glad to be here. Yeah. yeah. So, what exactly drove you to Antigua? Was this this was this a play you were familiar beforehand? Was this something you really wanted to do? Was something they they said, "Hey, how about you do this show?" What what exactly, <laughs> what exactly came about with this? Yeah. So this play, I, I I read this play when I was in college in Puerto Rico, in the University of Puerto Rico, and um, what what intrigued me about this play was the topics that they were addressing. And the fact that it was created in a in a republic that was uh, pretty much uh, invented by by the author, um, so since then I've always wanted to direct this show for a while, but I haven't read it for a while because uh, yeah, it was it was just one of those plays that kept coming back to my mind. Um, so I always wanted to direct it. So last let's say uh, maybe two years ago. I started to look for the translation of the document. Mm-hmm. Uh, the play was uh, the only time that was staged was back in '78, I believe, by Pregones Theater in in New, in New York. Um, and there was a translation made that by that time that I found, but it took me a while to get there. Mm-hmm. At the end, I found that uh, I found it in the New York Public Library. And then they send it to me by email. But it took a while. That whole process took a while. Mm. So that was before I came here to UNCG, that summer before. Um, so last year, I proposed it for season selection and see what happened. And then it was chosen. And I was excited about about it. Um, so since then, I've been working really hard in, in, in staging this play uh, in, in the U.S., um, even though the play is based in a Latin American context, I wanted to create a, a staging that uh, it is relevant. Not only relevant, because the play itself is relevant, but it is uh, people can identify with it mm-hmm. when they see it. Going back to the relevancy of this, but, um, but when this originally came out in Puerto Rico, was this a very successful play in Puerto Rico? Was it something that was sort of underground that some pe- people in the theater industry knew, but it wasn't really that popular? Uh, you know, it was it, it it did became popular, um, and it's actually one of the most uh, famous uh, contemporary plays from the Puerto Rican dramaturgy. Mm. Um, so since in since it, it's its inception, it's been staged many times in Puerto Rico, um, but always in Spanish, of course. Mm-hmm. So when I took this text in English, I also started re-editing some areas because I kept going back to the to the book in Spanish, mm-hmm. to the play in Spanish. And I found out that there were some areas that were missing context because this show, as you all are gonna experience, is very poetic in the uh, on how they talk. So the poetry for me is very important. So I went back to the original text in Spanish and I fixed some areas and re-edited some of the areas in the play. Mm, interesting. Um, so I did a little research on why Luis Sanchez decided to write this play, and a lot of it was he based Antigona off of the real-life activist Olga Vizca-Garriga, who was jailed for refusing to recognize uh, U.S. authority over Puerto Rico. Um, 
did did you do a lot of research on her? Was this something that you know you you definitely focused on, or did you try to stray away from it, focused on more other things from the aspect? Yeah, not not on her specifically. Um, I did more research about Lolita Lebron and uh, the independence uh, movement in Puerto Rico and how she became a very strong figure um, in in the movement, especially with the acts that she committed when she went to Congress and shot. Um, made a few shots to the to the ceiling and um and she exited the the place uh, saying i can't i did not come here to kill anyone i came here to die for puerto rico so lolita lebron is pretty much my anchor i also know that Luis rafael sanchez was very inspired by the mirabal sisters in the dominican republic who also were um fighting against the dictatorship of trujillo and dominican republic so you know, I have that's like the those were my inspirations. Also, Angela Davis, uh, being part of the Black Panther movement, also the Young Lords. Um, so they were pretty much my anchor in terms of inspiration for the the character of Antigona. Mm-hmm. So you would say that Antigona basically represents any revolutionary fighter during this time period of oppression, not just in Puerto Rico but also in the U.S. Yeah, I think that part of my task as a director for the show is to is to create a place where people does does not relate this place to a specific country, but it could be anywhere. It could happen anywhere, um, and because also this is the story that keeps repeating itself mm-hmm. in any way or form, in different forms. But it's it's always in the same vein, which is. The people in power who has the most money, money, they want to continue in power. So in order to be in power, they have to maintain this structure between or this relationship between the media and the church um, and the military. And um, how all of these, in a way, protects the state against mm-hmm. the people. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and to be more specific, poor people, uh, the people that are struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, would you know Crayon? Would would you say that he represents more American imperialism, or do you think he represents just uh, basically a uh, what's the word? Basically a, a, a authoritarian figure in general, or who who would what would you take your main inspiration off Crayon from? <laughs> I think that definitely uh, um, imperialism uh, from the U.S. is is it's very much part of Crayon. Um, but also, you know, all dictatorships that have evolved around the world, which in many ways, there are connections to you, to the U.S., right? Like, for example, you know, in, in, in the Middle East, um, how even rebel movements have uh, emerged from decisions that the U.S. have made there, like in Afghanistan and ISIS and all that. So there are definitely some relationships there um, with the U.S., but I think that, yes, in the core of it, I think the American uh, imperialism is very in the core of who Creon is. Um, yeah. Would you also say that, because this is a very interesting time period in terms of foreign policy with yeah. U- Ukraine and Russia. Would you say it also kind of ties into that as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, one of the things that I told Cre- um, uh, the actor, Daniel, who's playing Creon, is that I wanted him to be more cold, similar, uh, or or maybe maybe a little bit of sociopath mm-hmm. in in the ways like and i think of putin yeah how you know 
he has a different energy than everyone else. Mm -hmm. So I was uh, one of the, the, the tasks for him was how can you try to channel some sort of that energy, which is also very uh, patriarchal um, in terms of how I am the man here who holds the power mm -hmm. and women are in the, in the second plane. So, yes, you know, I think that in if we if we're talking about Ukraine and and Russia for example yes like Vladimir Putin it's is one of those people that um that is very peculiar on how he behaves but also on the decisions that he makes mm -hmm. and how he wants to maintain his strong figure <laughs> or at least the image of a strong figure because yeah, it's interesting because <laughs> he has like this very when you see interviews of him, he's like very cold, but also at the same time, very confident in how he yeah. answers his questions and also kind of has a certain charm to him as well. We could, we could sort of figure out, okay, I see why this person has been in power for as long as he has. Cause like, he just, he knows exactly what to say. And I think that's a very important aspect for Crayon to have in this play. Yeah. And how he feeds from nationalism. Mm -hmm. That's another thing yeah. that you're going to see in this play, um, which, you know, if I see nationalism here in the U.S. versus nationalism in Puerto Rico is different because we're a colony. So nationalism comes from a place of we want to be independent. Mm -hmm. In the U.S., the nationalism right now is it, it tends to be now very far right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and it's either accept it or go home or, 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 or whatever are, are the terms, you know, that are being used. Um, so... But also knowing that nationalism is also fed by the media, like for example, like like the right wing media, like what is to be un American, quote unquote, and what is not to be un American, quote unquote. When, you know, I think that what makes us beautiful, what makes this country beautiful is the variety of mm -hmm. cultures that are coming together, or at least trying to come together and share. <clears throat> ideas but also share their culture their food and um i think that this country is not capitalizing in that beauty of of the country <laughs> yeah that, that's a lot to unpack there. but, uh, <laughs> but until i could think of something to respond to, let's go on to uh the physical aspect of this yes. play you really emphasize since you are a movement teacher here you really want to emphasize your teachings into this play um how, how exactly is this a very movement-based play do yes. you think okay yes it's very very movement heavy and how i approach the work and as you you were my student um mm -hmm. in, in many ways is how do we see each other mm -hmm. for who we are and how do we walk and move through the world and instead of leaving that outside of the room how can you bring that into the room again to share it instead of keeping it to yourself or being like, I need to let go of who I am because I need to be an actor. But for me, actor is about being real. Mm -hmm. So if you are starting that journey of being an actor from a f place of uh, fakeness, <laughs> then you're doing a disservice to yourself. So how do we move? It says about uh, our history, how we were raised, um, uh, how yeah our socioeconomical status also it, it feeds into that in many ways so movement is yes it is it is very based it is it, you're gonna see it is throughout the show is mostly movement um um it is like the chorus as i said before the chorus is gonna be the crucial aspect it's the heart of this of this play so you're gonna see dance but also you're gonna see acro acrobatics 
um, yeah, throughout their whole show. You have a choreographer working on this. What what conversations did you have with them of what kind of movements you wanted to see? What ex- what kind of dances? What kind of acrobatics? Yeah. How, and how does that tie into like how the story flows? Yeah, these are great questions. You're good at this. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You should keep doing this. Thank you. Um, I think that so when I met with Maurice, um, for example, who was one of my first collaborators that I said, um, and because we have a great relationship, uh, we are also friends. I shared with him, this is what I want to do with this story. And I want to have a lot of bomba music and African music into this play or African rooted music um, into this play because it's about resistance. It's about, you know, the people who have been struggling the most. And I, f- um, I found a song and I shared it with him. And then we, we, you know, we went back and forward about ideas so this was very interesting on how we really collaborated in the room which was he he works very similar to me in a way that i i come in with a rough idea of what i want to do right in terms of blocking that's how i work but i need to see the 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 bodies in space first in order to start moving the pieces and what works best with the bodies that we have so he had the music he came in and he started choreographing but as he choreographed um there were some moments that I told him, hey, I have an idea right now. How about if you create like a few sections of the song and then I, I add some dramatic moments in between. Mm-hmm. So we shared the construction of the piece through movement. He did the dances and I did some uh, movement uh, or choreographies that were not uh, dances, but were uh, more about enhancing the storytelling that we are about to witness, but also that's how we opened the show, but at the, also on the, at the almost at the end of first act, there's another music, and that one is more classical. Mm-hmm. But he added he added some contemporary twist into this classical music, which was interesting. You know, you mentioned that you know a lot of stuff you know has changed over the rehearsal process and stuff like that. Like throughout, you have different ideas, all different, all sorts of stuff of things. Um, would would you say as a director, it's it's important that it every your original vision does not stay the same that if like if you keep it st- exactly how you kept it in your concept then there really is no development no for I- I- exploration to how the piece works do you think it's a good thing to always tweak everything a little bit and sometimes even completely throw out what you had originally and yes then do it totally yeah. totally totally i'm always about adapting and and again about seeing who's in the room and what works best for the room itself instead of me saying you have to do this and you're going to move that here so for for me i'm about in my in my classroom i'm all about decentering myself and giving agency to students because at the end of the day once they leave this school they're not going to have me so they have to find ways to uh to uh, look for solutions on their own so by me decentering i i think is giving them a platform to grow I can give them some tools, but then at some point they have to make decisions for their own. So the same way in a play, I am working with them and at some points they're like, oh, this is not working. Okay, how can we make it work? Let's try to find a solution. Or or somebody comes with an idea and I'm like, let me think about that. Or yes, let's do that idea. Um, and then we move the, uh, the work forward from that. So the way that Maurice and I interacted with the, with the song is pretty much how I interacted with the play and also the process with the designers. Speaking of the design aspect, what main inspirations did you want to take through 
designing the set, the costumes, what look did you have in your head for what you wanted this to look like on stage? Well, the first thing that I had in mind, first that my concept is that this play should be like the American dream, an optical illusion. So based on that, I always, it came to my, uh, to my mind at some point to have a mirror as a backdrop for the stage. Um, and that was very strong in my concept. Like that was something that I'm like, I'm going to fight anyone for this. <laughs> um, because part of my way of, that I teach is about the three-dimensional space. Because I believe that every, every space in this room is alive. Not only the fourth wall, but also behind the sides, the diagonal. So I want the actors to play every side. And also have the audience see that every side. Yeah. Because again, we once we're acting, we tend to go into, I have to play for the fourth wall, but all the spaces are alive. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one of the things that was very strong in my concept. Um, and the fact that I'm very inspired by surrealism, magical realism, because the absurd history of Latin America, of the things that have happened, are so absurd that there's no other way to explain these than for me, I believe, than through surrealism or imagery that doesn't make sense. Because again, this the history doesn't make sense. Since you know you said you wanted all your actors put on all sides in the rehearsal process, did you bring in mirrors for them to practice this, or was this something that was new newly brought into the tech process, or how how did that work in the rehearsal room? So in the rehearsal room, all of the rooms in the school of theater have mirrors that you can roll in and out. Mm -hmm. Um, so we had them there as a, hey, remember that there's a mirror, but they tend to disregard it because it's behind them, the actors. So once they came into the stage and saw that the mirror is in a, in a diagonal, elevated, they were like, oh, this makes sense now. So once we move to the space, it's another experience too, because now we have to adapt to this whole reality. Even though I've been saying it throughout rehearsals, they don't imagine it. Yeah, the world has finally have come to life. Now you're seeing the world that you're in. It's like, oh, I see what, exactly what you meant when you said that. Correct. Okay. Um, do you also think that the mirrors not only represent the optical illusion of whatever country you live in, the, the patriotism, but also the optical illusion of how you view yourself? Because we look in the mirrors every single day, mm -hmm. but we see a completely different person than what everyone else Correct. sees. Correct. So Correct. Do you, okay. And that feeds to social media too. Like, yeah. how do you present yourself in social media, but then once, once you meet some people in real life, you're like, you're not this person that I see in social media. Yeah. So there's always this distortion, distortion or blurry effect that is going on with how do we engage with each other? Mm -hmm. And what are, what are the, the messages that are being hidden or the history that is being hidden that is that I'm bringing that to the forefront of this play. I want a copy of this of this uh, <laughs> of this podcast because it, we're we're having great conversations. It, it's gonna become available pretty soon. <laughs> I, 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 pretty soon. Well, I don't know. I have to edit it. But um, as a director, you know, because I, I I can imagine it could be very tempting to sort of just be like you've grown into a brick wall and you're sort of just like crap, what are these people doing? So you're looking up different productions of this particular play. Do, do you ever do that? Or are you just like, nope, I'm not looking at a single thing anyone else has done. I'm doing exactly... If I can't fix something, I'll figure it out. I'm not mm -hmm. going to look at what other people have done. Yeah, I try not to look. Yeah. Um, I try not to look. I did see, saw some pictures from um, from this play, but they're old, you know, and they're like, yeah. it's, it, we're in different times too. 
um, the way that there's also a video of the of a play staged by students in the University of Puerto Rico back in the eighties that yeah looks blurry and like I was like wow what what's going well, on here I f- I think I know what video you're talking about because I I saw it and it, it wasn't really the video but the audio was just so like <laughs> it was it was so yeah. loud and it hurt your eardrums exactly it, but it was like oh I can't I can't watch this this yeah. is unwatchable exactly that's what I, exactly what I thought um <laughs> but no I tried to stay away because I. I I don't want to be influenced by other people's um, work. I mean, yeah. other people's staging, yeah. per se. Um, I'm always inspired by other artists and different art forms. But in terms of the theater, I kind of want to stay true to what I'm, where I'm coming from. Yeah, because then it'd be pretty easy to just sort of just copy whatever else yeah. does. And you're just sort of just doing, well, I'm doing every single other production of this place. So why am, <laughs> I, why am I doing this? If this? I'm doing just a carbon copy of whatever else does. Exactly. Uh... What is basically, in one word, maybe more, maybe a sentence, what, what do you want the audience to take away from this when they walk out of this play? I want them to ask a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to have a lot of questions and to be um, maybe intrigued to find answers. Um, again, I, I, I use a lot of imagery and everything. I, I believe that you should not baby, uh, give baby food to the audience. Mm-hmm. I think that the audience is not stupid. But at the same time, there is a, a relationship of how do you educate your audience to think higher than what they're mm-hmm. used to? Because, you know, as an artist, I struggle with that a lot in terms of people want to be super literal on how yeah. <laughs> on how the, the, the message is delivered or even performed. And you want people to understand. And for me, it's not about understanding everything it's about wanting to understand yes okay. correct because because i again mm-hmm. I, I i understand exactly what you're talking about because there are tons of plays new plays i've been reading and it's just like and it tells you exactly what the whole play means and it's like that's it's a good play and all but i have no reason to go back and visit this because i know exactly what it is there's no further explanation for this yeah. we call that in puerto rico a pamphlet uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is yeah you go there you tell them what you want to uh, them to hear and then they leave yeah yeah. <laughs> um, oh are there any other plays by Luis Rafael Sanchez that people think they should go out and read that yes um, should we have a few here we have um, we have Sol Trece and uh, these are a few but again like it's gonna be rare for people to find them in English yeah and this one I found it because it's his main you know it's like his mm-hmm. most epic play um, but he has a he has a book called Sol, Sol 13 Interior, Sol 13 Interior, and it has La Farsa del Amor Compradito, La Yer Nuestra de Cada Día, Los Ángeles Se Han Fatigado, but he also has another famous play called The Guaracha of Macho Camacho. Mm. Okay. <laughs> um, and that one is also a very um, interesting and um, uh, funny play, too. So those are yeah those are one of his main plays. He he did, he doesn't have a big um uh he doesn't have a huge uh list of plays. Mm-hmm. I think that he was so and as you read the play he is so um peculiar or um I don't I don't know how to say this word but um it's like when people write a play and it becomes a good deal and then they're like I'm afraid to write again. Yeah. <laughs> Because they are so afraid of uh, that 
possibly something might possibly fail. I, I think that's a good sign of a great writer too, because there's a lot of writers out there who's like, I can do this again. They write whatever, because like, I, if I can write this, I can write whatever I yeah. want to, and then it's just it's just shit yeah. afterwards, and it's just they don't live up to their expectations, and it's just then it's sort of just like, it, I feel like if they have a very short catalog of great plays, and that's 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 good enough, yes. I think, yeah, for yes. their legacy, but. Yeah, and like when you read the play, you you realize that he writes a lot of stage directions mm. because he's very peculiar on uh, how things should be, on how his um, is in his mind. For me, I honor that. I see it. Yeah. I honor it. But I think that my work as a director is how do we take this text and enhance it more and also make it relevant to our days. Do you, was that hard for you to balance what, okay, I want to respect the, the writer's wishes, but at the same time, though, I have this clear vision? Or was it, was it pretty simpatico? Do you think that it sort of fit what you were trying to do? Yes. I, 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 the, the way that I always, approach, uh, I always approach directing is what's, what's not in the text? <laughs> mm, okay. What are some of the visual things that can evolve from the text? And also, what is the message behind the text? Because he writes very poetically and behind the words there's something happening mm -hmm. or there is another intention happening um so i think it, it it works um i mean with his stage directions if you want to go like oh i want to honor everything that he says then i don't think that there's a lot for you to work with as a director because it's already there mm -hmm. so for me it's how do you take this text honor it keep keep the text but also enhance it in, in a way that is engaging visually for the audience mm -hmm. um in the near future what are some other projects you're hoping to get on the ground for in terms of directing here at school or somewhere else i want to do more latinx plays mm -hmm. for sure um anyone's in particular uh, yes i want to do this play called uh, the toothbrush and i okay. found the translation in english is uh, written by jorge diaz who is uh, chilean i don't know if he's still alive I don't know, but it's written by him, and um, it's a it's a duo. It's gonna be impossible to do it here because we we need uh, big casts. Okay. But that's a play that is also like as Antigona. It was like in my desk. It was like those plays that you open, <laughs> you open the drawer and there you're like, oh, the play, and then you close it back, and then you come back in a month and you're like, oh, the play is still there. <laughs> so the toothbrush is another one that I want to do eventually. Um, and it's kind of absurd. It's an, an absurd play. Uh, you know, a director directing a show can be extremely stressful, a lot of long hours, and a lot of stress, and especially when stuff, when you want to happen, doesn't really happen. Uh, how do you deal with that? What, what, what's the shining grace of doing all that, of all the stress? <laughs> the shining grace. Yeah. I think that at the end of the day, for me, the shining grace is the product at the end which is the work that was put into it, like the, the, uh, the student's um, educational journey into it, um, and how they engage with the, with the play. Um, there are things that, of course, you have to negotiate as a director, as everything. Um, but that's why I think that once you come in, I believe, as when, you, uh, when you come in with a concept, it needs to be a strong concept. So at least you have something strong to come back to. Um, and there are things that are negotiable, but there's something in the core that stays there. Yeah. In the DNA. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, thank you for all 
uh, all your time, the questions you answered and stuff like that. But uh, before you go, I think I think it's important. I've been asking a lot of you know, technical stuff, but I, I should get to the root of it. How how are you doing? How's your semester going? How, it's been, what's it been like? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm I'm just glad that we're opening this week, and I get to rest a little bit. The pace when you're directing a show is 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 hard but it not only directing I, and i haven't said this i directed but i also did a movement choreography mm -hmm. i did fight choreography and i did all the dramaturgy work um that we've been talking about and that i talked to your class before we got here um that is uh, it can be exhausting mm -hmm. because it's a lot of information and mm -hmm. also you want to treat it very carefully because you're talking about dictatorships and you're talking about many people who have died by the hands of governments. And um, again, not only out of this world, I mean, out of this country, but also in this country, even though, you know, people say that, you know, we live in a democracy, we don't have a dictatorship, um, but there's there are people that are still being big uh, being uh there's still people suffering the uh decisions from governments uh in the u.s mm -hmm. um so yeah i think that at the end of the day what drives me is the story that we're telling and that is something important that we need to put out there in the world and also have the students experience this so i am good i am good i'm tired <laughs> but i am i am passionate about the work that i do and um also, it's funny that the call the play is called the Passion of Antigua. <laughs> yeah, I have passion for this. Yeah, and like there's her passion, there's mine too, which is telling the story and where where is it coming from, and also raising questions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you did mention there's a lot of information in this play. It, was there some stuff that you were just like you figured out like a meet like right when tech was going on? It's like oh, I should have put this in there. Oh my gosh, I completely screwed this up. Or do you ever have that? Or you're just like nope, we're moving on. No, you know, once we're in tech, uh, I try not to add new things because it's gonna it's gonna delay the process. Mm -hmm. So when we came to tech, the show was already blocked. It was everything was already. Now we're I'm just making decisions on adjustments, mm -hmm. which is, for example, there's a moment that a platform comes in, and there's something that happens with the platform that needs to stay there for more than I don't know a minute or something like that. So I had to adjust the blocking and change some uh, directions for that moment to work. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but again, for me, the, 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 a play or a process in a play is never over. Yeah. Like once you finish it, you can. Once you come back to it, and years from now, you have a solid base, but you have things to add to yeah. it. Because you know, you get older, new experiences. Yes. Yeah. 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 That that's very interesting. But. But again, like I did this play, I chose this play because. Even though it was written back in the nineteen in nineteen sixty eight, it is still relevant to mm -hmm. this day. And for me, that is worry. Uh, it worries me that it's still relevant, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because we see that history keeps repeating itself, and we haven't moved on from those. Yeah, no, and, and just the fact that the original text Antigone is still relevant, yeah. even like thousands of years ago, is written. And now you can write about any time period of any time in the world, and it's you'd still still make sense. Correct. That's 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 very strange. That's very strange, mm -hmm. but like I said, thank you again for doing this. This thank is you. this is uh, this is a very thought we had very great conversation. Uh, 
The show is playing at Taylor Theater through the 17th through the 25th. You can visit our website or call the box office at 336-334-4392 to get your tickets. Roby, again, thank you so much. Thank you.